And so I'm glad you're here. And I hope you can be here for all seven because they all tie together. This is Lent. It's a time for us to look inwardly. It's a time for us to take inventory spiritually, a time for us to grow together with God and with other people. And so I'm glad that you're here. Now, how many of you took a trip last summer? Anybody take a vacation last summer? Anyone? Two people took a trip. That's great. Wonderful. <laughs> I went, but I'm ashamed to say where I went. What'd you do? Go to Vegas? What? What, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? How many of you went to Disney World? Anybody go to Disney World? Did you enjoy it? Was it good? Did you have fun? Yeah. Anybody go to Colorado? I went to Colorado last summer. Lauren, I went. We had a blast in Colorado. There were some more people at the first service that went to Colorado. We didn't see them there, but they went. They were there, okay? Well, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever taken a guilt trip? Anybody here? Have <laughs> both hands. Some people are going, can I raise my leg? Yeah. A guilt trip. That's right. I've taken one. Did you enjoy that trip? No, no, nobody likes a guilt trip. Well, let me just tell you, God did not create you and me to live in guilt. If I didn't say anything else today, that's good. That's good. Look at the person next to you and say, that's good. I'm just saying. That's good news right there. Because there's a myth out that says feeling guilty makes you more spiritual. Look at the person next to you and say, wrong, wrong. That's not true. Guilt is not required for holiness. God intends you and me to live a guilt-free life. Aren't you glad you came today? This is an uplifting message. Guilt messes up your body, your mind, your relationships, and it creates all kinds of fear in your life, okay? Now, Sir Arthur Cannon Doyle, does anybody know who he was? Yeah, he wrote all the Sherlock Holmes novels. And he was a prankster. He was all the time playing tricks on people. And one time he sent out an anonymous note to 50 prominent Englishmen who were friends of his in his country in Great Britain. And the note simply said, now remember it was anonymous. The note simply said, all is found out. Flee at once. <laughs> he sent that out to 50 guys Within 48 hours, 25 of those people had left the country. They had left the country, y'all. A lot of people carry fear of being found out and rejection by other people. There's also a fear of retaliation. You know, God's going to get me back for this. I just know it's going to happen. There's a fear of judgment. God is going to judge me for this. I have to drink water, y'all. I'm sorry. I have... I've had a second sinus infection. I had a relapse, and my medicine already makes me really dry. And now I've got this extra medicine, you know. It's hard for me to even do anything up here, okay? But the truth is that God wants you to live guilt-free. You've got to let your guilt go. Now, we're in this new series, Seven Words from the Cross. And today, the first word from the cross is forgiveness. So every week you're going to get a new word, and today it's about forgiveness. In Luke 23, Jesus has just been arrested. He's been beaten. He's been scourged. He's been put on a crown of thorns on his head. They've spit on him. They've made fun of him, and now he's carrying the cross up the hill to Golgotha where he's crucified. Some people call it the place of the skull. Now I'm going to read this scripture to you. You can write down Luke 23 and go home and read it today, but it starts there. It goes 27 through 37, okay? A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned to them <laughs> and turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. 
When they came to the place called the skull, because there were a lot of skulls laying around there, no lie, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified. One on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leaders scoffed. And here's what they said. He saved others. They said, let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. And later in this series, I'm going to talk about that sour wine. You're going to learn more about that. And they called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, then save yourselves, okay? The soldiers mocked him there, and he said, they said, save yourselves. And so... Um, Jesus had no intention of saving himself, though. Why? Because Jesus was on the cross to save you and me. When we fully understand the meaning of Jesus saying, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, you can live the rest of your life guilt-free. Now, that's good news right there. I don't care who you are. That's good. What do you normally do with your guilt? Well, some of us try to bury our guilt. We just stuff it down inside like a trash compactor. What happens if you just keep putting the trash in the compactor and you never take it out? It just overflows after a while, doesn't it? There's just a lot of junk in there. And David says it like this in Psalm 32. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Day and night, the hand, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me and all my guilt is gone. You see, he tried to hang on to it because what happens is we think, I don't want to tell God about my sins because I'm disappointed in myself. God will be disappointed in me. And God says, you know, as long as you hang on to it, it's just going to make you sick. But once you talk to me about it, I can forgive you. I've got the way to do that. So just come ahead and talk to me. We finally go to God and say, I need you to forgive me. He wipes out all of our guilt. Another thing we try to do with our guilt is we blame other people for it. Okay, we bury it and we blame others. This tactic is as old as Adam and Eve. When Adam sinned in the garden, what did he do? He blamed his wife. It was the woman, the woman that you gave me, God, I was doing really good till she showed up. Now I'm in trouble, right? What was he really saying? He was blaming God. He was saying it was your fault because you gave me this wife. The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree? whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. So who are you blaming for your unhappiness and your guilt? I've had people blame me, get mad at me for something they did wrong to me. <laughs> That's what happens because people get defensive and, well, it can't be my fault, so you must have made me do it, so I'm going to blame it on you, right? And, and so what happens is, when you have a close friend like that and they do that, then you have to call them on it. Because God says, speak the truth in love. And you don't do that often, but there are exceptions when you'll do that. And you'll say, you know, for us to remain close, I've got to tell you the truth. And you've got to, you've got to confess. Now, what happens if they're still defensive is you have to say to them, you have taught me that you cannot be wrong. And everybody's wrong sometimes. 
And so you need to repent. You need to confess. You need to apologize. And then we can move on as friends. Everybody blames somebody else. Nobody wants to take responsibility. The reason we blame other people is because we feel guilty. Have you ever had somebody who did something wrong to you and they got mad at you when you called them on it? You know, methinks they do protest too much, right? Why? Because they feel guilty. Because they are guilty, okay? Now, another way we try to deal with our guilt is we beat ourselves up. You ever do that? Beat yourself up because of guilt? <clears throat> it can cause illness without a doubt. A doctor has said that 50% of the patients that he treats could go home from the hospital today if they could just get rid of the guilt that they have in their lives. Now, write this down, please. Please take your outline, take a pen or a pencil. For your benefit, this is a nugget. Please write this down. You'll need it. If I don't talk out my guilt to God, I take out my guilt on myself. If I don't talk out my guilt to God, I take it out on myself. And there's all kinds of ways physiologically that you can get sick from your guilt if you don't give it to God. The psalmist says this way, my guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long, I walk around feeling filled with grief. Here's the problem with punishing yourself for guilt. Your conscience, you ought to write this down. Your conscience doesn't know when to quit. It just keeps convicting you over and over again because it doesn't know that you've made things right. And it will just keep punishing you. So burying your guilt, blaming your guilt, beating yourself up, none of those things work. So what does Jesus want us to do with our guilt? Well, we need to admit it. We need to do, just admit it because we cannot run from ourselves. People move and leave town and go somewhere else trying to get away from their guilt, but they take themselves with them. And you've got to learn to live with yourself. Proverbs says this, The Lord gave us a mind and a conscience. We cannot hide from ourselves. Admitting to myself and to God that I was wrong. In 1 John it says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We have the amazing ability to lie to ourselves. I don't have to apologize for that. It was their fault. I'm, I'm good, right? Do you deceive yourself? Who's going to hold yourself accountable? You're the only one who can do that. Nobody else knows. Do you ever deceive yourself? I do. You ever tell yourself you're losing weight? <laughs> and you get on the scale and you have an argument with the scale? Well, you've broken. What's wrong with you? You know, you used to work. And why are these clothes shrinking? I want to know the answer to these problems. You know, I I'm losing weight. No, no, you're not. You're not losing weight. So you've got to be honest. Now, listen, write this down. To stop defeating myself, I have to stop deceiving myself. To stop defeating myself, I have to stop deceiving myself. What defeats us? All kinds of things. Worry and envy and bitterness and jealousy and guilt and fear and anxiety and insecurity. Do a little spiritual spring cleaning, okay? Get a pencil, 
and a piece of paper and ask God, Lord, I want you to bring to mind, consciously, unconsciously, the things that are there. Bring to mind the things that I feel guilty about, all of them. I'm going to write them down, and then I want your help to get rid of them, okay? Here's why you want to do that. Write this down. I'm not playing with y'all today. <laughs> you committed them one by one. So you confessed them one by one. Well, you've got to write them down if you're going to do that, okay? And so you do that, and that's how you get healing. Then accept responsibility for the junk in your life, okay? David committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then he wrote the 51st Psalm. And by the way, the 51st Psalm is a great prayer for you to pray. You can just take it right out of Scripture and you can pray that prayer. But he doesn't even mention Bathsheba in the 51st Psalm. Why? Because it's not about her. It's about him. Psalm 51 is a great psalm to read as a prayer. Psalm 51, David says, For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. I recognize my faults. I'm conscious of my sins. I accept responsibility. The best way to ensure I'm really acting responsible is owning up to it. Don't try to tap dance. Just tell God the truth. The best way to get over feeling guilty is to tell another person, someone you trust, someone you're close to, someone who won't repeat it, somebody you can count on. One person who loves you unconditionally is not going to judge you and is going to be a listening ear. I confess my sin to God to be forgiven. Okay, now write this down. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I got good stuff for you today. If you want to be forgiven, then tell God about it and ask Him to forgive you. If you want to feel forgiven, then tell one other person you're close to. Tell them about it. And ask them to pray for you and help you. Because we only get well in community. That's why God put us in the church. That's why we tell you all the time, you've got to have a small group. You've got to have a growth group. You've got to have a group of people who are going to love you unconditionally and not judge you. Somebody you can open up and talk to. Somebody who's going to pray for you. And you're going to do the same thing for them. Because there's only two kinds of people in the world. Write this down. People who are broken and sinful and know it. People who are broken and sinful and won't admit it. Because you hang on to it, it's just going to make you sicker and sicker. When we refuse to be real with another person, it creates all kinds of fears in our lives and it isolates us from each other. Now listen, this is where Satan wants all of us. He wants us separated from God because of our sin. And he wants us separated from our Christian friends because of our sin. Because he's had thousands of years of experience. And if you take him on one-on-one, -on -one, he's going to beat you every time. You've got to have a relationship with God. You've got to have a relationship with your Christian friends or you're going to lose. You're not going to make it. That's why that small group, that life group, some kind of group that you're with Christian people, it's going to help you. The book of Job says it this way. A man deserves the devotion of his friends even if he forsakes the Almighty. You know what that means? Even at your, if you're at a point in your life where you just can't go to God, you've got Christian friends around you, and they're going to help you and restore you and give you enough strength and affirmation and support until you can get to that place where you can get back to God. Okay? 
because you've been hurt, whatever's going on, and you just, you've just said, no, God, you allowed this to happen in my life, and I just can't be around you. I've just got to get away. And so that's what those Christian friends are for, to help you, somebody who believes in you, somebody who's going to listen to you. Write this down. I'm watching you. You're only as sick as your secrets. You're only as sick as your secrets. You're only as sick as your secrets. When you hide it, it hurts you. You can't hide it. You can't hide it. You've got to get rid of it. Everybody needs at least one person they can be totally honest with. That's why we beg you to get in a small group or a life group. Another thing you've got to do is you've got to ask for forgiveness. If you ask for forgiveness, you can be forgiven. First John says it this way. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. will forgive our sins and He will purify us from all unrighteousness. God, write this down. God doesn't rub it in. God cleans from sin. He doesn't say, yeah, I told you. I knew that was going to happen. You jerk. You just messed up again. He's not like that. He just cleanses us. There's a right way and a wrong way to ask for forgiveness. You don't beg. You don't bargain. And you don't bribe. You just believe. Because God always keeps his promises. God has promised if you confess your sins, he will forgive your sins. Romans says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Look at the person next to you. Point your finger and say, all have sinned. Okay, tell them that. Who does that include? Everybody. All of us. The Living Bible says it this way. Yet God declares us not guilty if we trust in Jesus Christ who in his mercy freely takes away our sin. Your forgiveness, now listen, your forgiveness is not based on how little or how much you have sinned. Your forgiveness is based on what Jesus has done for you. Romans 8 says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now listen, the enemy Satan wants to condemn us. He condemns us, we feel guilty, and we don't talk to God. We don't confess. We don't hang out with our Christian friends. We certainly don't tell them. Because he wants us to feel that condemnation. But Jesus said, I, I didn't come to condemn the world. But I came that through my death that the world might be forgiven. God's not like that. God encourages us and he gives us a way out. Some of you are thinking, there's something in my life that I've felt bad about for years. I'm ashamed of it. And I've asked God over and over to forgive me. But I don't feel forgiven. Listen closely. There's three things I need to tell you. You need to admit your sin. You need to ask forgiveness. And you need to own up to it. Because that's the only way you're going to get there. But why? Number one, because he forgives instantly. God forgives instantly. Isaiah says, let them turn to the Lord our God who is merciful and quick to forgive. Circle quick. He is quick to forgive. He forgives instantly. Second, he forgives completely. 
Colossians says, then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. And third, he forgets repeatedly. He forgets repeatedly. On the cross, Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them. Who was he talking about? He was including you and me. Later in this series, I'm going to talk about that. In fact, today I'll mention a little bit about that. He was praying for you and me. Colossians says, then God made you alive in Christ. Okay? And alive in Christ for you, he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. And he took it away. He wiped out the evidence he forgot. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. If you don't understand that God forgives immediately, the next time you start to go wrong in your life, you're going to start thinking, God remembers what I did wrong. And now he's coming back and he's going to get me for what I did. If you're a Christian, all punishment was taken away by Jesus. Does God discipline us? Yes, he does. But here's what happens. God corrects us and he disciplines us for the future. It's forward-looking. Hey, for future reference, I'm going to tell you what to do so that you won't make this mistake next time, okay? But, but punishment is for looking backward at what we did wrong and we haven't dealt with it. And we haven't asked forgiveness. Jesus gave us two reminders. He gave us baptism and the Lord's Supper. Last week, we baptized a bunch of people in services. Today, we're going to have communion together to never forget he paid our sins. The third thing he does, he forgives repeatedly. I mentioned that. Have you ever committed the same sin more than once? Well, let me help you with that. I have. Okay? Have you ever done that? And have you ever felt like, I've confessed this so many times, I'm embarrassed to go back to God and talk to him about it. Has anybody ever done Am I the only one here that's ever done that? God forgives repeatedly. It is God's nature to forgive. Jesus is in heaven. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And what's he doing? He's forgiving you. He's seated there and he's interceding for you and me all the time. That's what he does. That's what he lives for. Hebrews says, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. And then fourth, he forgives freely. He forgives freely. In other words, you can't earn it. It's a a gift of grace. Forgiveness is your greatest need. And forgiveness is God's greatest gift. Let me be practical. What's the secret sin in your life today that keeps hounding you? And you cannot be guilt-free. The Bible says in Ephesians... He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sin. The fundamental truth is it's not your problem. It's his problem. Why? Because he paid for it. He took responsibility and he paid for it. If you want to receive God's forgiveness and salvation, I'm going to lead you in a prayer today. Now, this is for for people who've never been saved. It's a, it's a salvation prayer, but it's also a prayer. If you've been saved, it's a prayer of forgiveness where you just ask God to forgive you because there's something there that you haven't asked forgiveness for and you're just carrying it around and it's this big burden and it's like a cloud over you and you just want to be forgiven, okay? Let's pray together. Just repeat after me silently. Dear God, you know everything about me. You know all my sins. Today I humbly admit that I need your forgiveness. 
I accept responsibility for my sins. And I want to repent. I want to follow you. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross to take away my sin. Today, by faith, I accept your gift of forgiveness and salvation. Thank you for forgiving me. Help me forgive myself and others. In your name I pray. Amen. Now listen, just stay right here with me for a minute. If you're serving communion, just quietly just come up and get prepared. But I want you to listen to me, okay? I'm going to stay right here so you can see me and you can hear me while they get communion ready, okay? If you prayed that prayer today, either for salvation or if you prayed for forgiveness for something, I want you to tell somebody else about it before you go to bed tonight. Somebody that you know, somebody you trust. Just talk to them about that and let them know what you did. If you want to talk to me about that, then I want you to do that. I want to know about that. Okay? If you want to talk to other people and the staff, people in the church that you're close to, people that you trust, I want you to do that and let me know what you've done.